Um, hey, this is Ben Coda. You're listening to Lowering the Tone. Okay. Hey, this is Ben Coda. You're listening to... <laughs> hey, this is Ben Coda. You're listening to Lowering the Tone with me, Katie. Right, episode 10. I did say I'd be picking up the pace. I'm aiming to get a show out every month until the end of the year. But please don't hold me to that. <laughs> Thank you for all the great feedback from the last show, especially regarding my interview with Ben Coda. I don't think I've ever received so many emails from one episode. This time round, I have one of the nicest people in dance music. Skimp recording artist and Wartone labour boss, Mr. Sonny Wharton. But for the moment, let's get into the music. shouts out this episode I apologise but it is necessary it's your donations that keep this show going first and foremost Daniel Williams there's a package of records and CDs winging its way to you right now thank you for your very generous donation um, absolutely blew me away to be honest Dave Hartlin my mate Dave from Boise William Shea, David Taylor, Richard Goddard, Muriel Price, Daniel Gray, Kevin Lenfant, 
think I've pronounced that right. Robert Lerney, Anton Drama, Cyro DeCaro. Thank you guys. You're all on my Christmas list. <laughs> contribute anything to the show there's lots of ways you can do it one of the ways which all the people I've mentioned have done it is you head off to my Bandcamp page it's uh, bandcamp.meetkt any money you drop on a track will go directly to supporting this podcast don't feel you have to music up there is actually free to download that's a personal choice gonna bang it out for about another half an hour and I'm gonna drop it down into the deeper selection. You're listening to Meet Katie on Lowering the Tone.
mentioned this guy a few times on the show. Gary Beck. He's just got such a good take on techno. Really good, high-quality bumping grooves. Sono Riva Star e stai ascoltando Lower in the Tone con Meet Katie. Don't forget, at the back end of the show, I have Sonny Walton, where we mentioned Dave Clark in the chat, so I thought I'd dig something out from Dave to play to you. This is his remix of I Am Clute.
listening to me, Katie, on Lowering the Tone. Gotta say thank you to my friend Maris Moon from Chicago for giving me this track. I love it. Possibly the heaviest thing I've played on the show.
few birthday shouts I need to give. Tom Clyde, Tony Bradbury, and a slightly belated uh, Matt and Gemma Goddard. Happy birthday. Uh, quickly, while I'm at it, a few more shouts. Uh, Catherine Allen and Nathan Lumsden, Keith Morley, Nick Turner and Thomas Tazimski. If you want a track list into this show, you need to subscribe over at meetkatie.bandcamp and I will mail you the track listing for this and any retrospective shows. You're listening to Meet Katie on Lowering the Tone.
Right, one more track before I drop it down into the deeper selection. This is Ben Coda's remix of Mine and Dopamine's Believe In Me. It's out on Lot 49. If you want to pick it up, you can grab it on Beatport or alternatively the Lot 49 Bandcamp page.
Hola, soy Chevy Wang. Estoy aquí con Mick Katie y estás escuchando su programa Lowering the Tone. Before we drop into the deeper selection, there's a few shows I need to mention. You can catch me in Sheffield at Planet Zog on Halloween, the 31st of October. I'm going to be playing in the Dusk Till Dawn room, and that's at Night Kitchen. On 7th of November, I'm going to be in China. I'm playing in Juai, and that is Club 1520, I believe. I'm going to be playing with my friend Gordon Yu from Macau. Um, awesome DJ. I can't wait to catch up with him. And then on the 20th of November, we're going to be playing the Hopper Party. That's the third edition, and that's in Amsterdam at the, the Westerlead. Westerlead? I know I fucked that venue name up. <laughs> With Calais Wurzel, Dord Dahl, and Rare Species. Can't wait for that. All the details you can find on my Facebook page. Okay. I keep my mouth shut for a while. Thank you. 
Elite Force. You're listening to Meet Katie on Lowering the Tone. Thank you. 
You're listening to Meet Katie on Lowering the Tone.
There you have it, a deep selection. Hope you enjoyed that. Right, it's about that time. Let's get into that interview. Exclusive. Right, I'd like to welcome Sonny Wharton to my house. Hello. In a sunny suburbia. Yeah, nice, nice day for it. Nice day to be sat indoors. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for coming down and, and thank you for coming to pick up my son with me. Hey, no worries. That's a bit unexpected. You ended up down to school. <laughs> yeah, school day out. It was good. <laughs> but we're here now and we're going to get started. Um, finally, I'm, I am sorry for 
um, taking so long to get this together because um, I've I've had loads of errands and crap to be doing when you arrive. Sorry, mate. It's all good. We got a, a table full of food in front of us. So I'm a happy it. boy. And the first time my girlfriend has ever bought me Kit Kats. <laughs> oh must, got, we got three. Kit-Kat, yeah, she must have looked at you and think he needs a Kit. Yeah, I need feed. I need feeding. <laughs> that's what it is. So, where should we start? Do you want to start on history or should we just kind of launch into whatever? Totally up to you, dude. All right. You're the boss. Where were you at the weekend? I, I went to Belfast the weekend, actually, um, for, like I said, a night out, a rare night out, because it's a bit like going to the office on the day off, but um, <laughs> see Todd Terry um, play at Thompson's Garage, and it was wicked. It was, yeah. it was It was like one of those nights out where, you know, there's no agenda. You just go in to enjoy that moment at that time and to start to finish it was one of those he's pretty amazing Todd Terry like, yeah, you know, yeah, I know he's a hit maker but he is a hit maker but he's wh- also a legend you know he, he's a really good DJ as well you know you've got hit makers who are really not good DJs out there yeah um, Kelvin Harris <laughs> but but yeah technically amazing flawless so, yeah yeah. What, kind, what sort of stuff is he playing well he's, I've, I've seen him a couple of times this year but um, this time it was it was a lot of his own tracks, you know, Can You Feel It and, and, and stuff like that. But then he's like, he's with the cue button jamming, check, 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 check. Oh, really? Check it out, like, over top of, it was kind of a set like that all the way through. So it's kind of all his classics, but not in a live way, but definitely in a, it's only in that moment, you know. Yeah. It's not necessarily going to sound the same next time. Oh, which is quite cool that it was nice. yeah i think because it was 20 years of of that venue as well it was you know it's right. probably a bit of a trip down memory lane kind of set as well oh, but wicked. but it was it was going off like like it did when i was a clubber before right this was like it hasn't dated yeah totally totally so it's perfect good. i had um i heard a podcast the other day uh, Derek Carter playing, and yep. it was rough as old boots. Yeah, the actual the the mixing because it was all vinyl. Yeah, but it was just fire. I remember just, I was just it's listening to it. I, I was just listening to it, thinking really getting off on it because it was just you can tell he's mixing vinyl because yep. it, there was slight. It wasn't perfect. Well, that's the thing. I guess we got so used to yeah. with this digital era. You know, everything you go off slightly, slightly off beat. There's yeah, there's no excuse now. It, no. Everything's kind of grid mapped, whether you're singing yeah. or not. You know, you're matching numbers to a degree. Vinyl, you're still always chasing it. Yeah, so you, it's a charm, isn't it? Yeah, now. It is. it, so it, I've got to play it, um, which I, I never thought I'd ever be saying this, but for the, the skimp party a few weeks ago, 20 years of skimp was a vinyl only night. Cla- oh, really? Classics only, yeah. I only had 24 hours notice as well. So to 24 hours notice <laughs> of you playing and you're playing after Norman Cook. And it's classics and vinyl only. And I haven't played records for 10 years. How was that? <laughs> I didn't sleep for that entire 24 hours. Yeah, it was nerve-wracking. The gig was amazing, but the lead-up was horrific because you just, like, thrown on the spot there. Yeah. Um, panicking, thinking, right, where are all these records I used to play? Because I've moved house five times since. So I've got stacks of vinyl right. in varying degrees of organisation. And no pressure, but you're following the headliner, you know, <laughs> at, at 20 years of his label. Where, where was it? It was, um, it was a place called Dead Wax Social, which is a vinyl-only venue in London. And they've got vinyl, walls of vinyl in there. It's kind of, I think it's like a coffee sort of bar oh, right, okay. in the daytime. And then they have parties at night. So it's small, like 150 right. kind of capacity. It, mate, it was wicked. I bet it was wicked, it was, yeah. It was a one-off kind of, you know, I'd never get that sort of night again. I wouldn't wicked. imagine. So yeah, it was good. 
Dickhead, yeah. The, the Random playing, vi- sorry, but... playing the vinyl again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I'd done that a few, uh, probably about a month ago. Did you enjoy it? I, I loved I, I found it amazing, but I was playing funk, soul yep. and rare groove, so a lot of mine was like seven inches, so yep. I was picking up the drum fills, trying to pick up the drum fill on time to roll into the yep. next track rather than beat mixing, um, only because it's old funk and, yeah. and rare groove. Um, but what I noticed is, because I love playing a lot of seven inches, like, they were running out. The yeah. tracks were running yeah. out. They felt really quickly that they were yeah. running out because I wasn't looking at a time counter. No, no, I, I noticed exactly the same thing as well. It yeah. is, I guess that's something we take for granted a bit nowadays. Well, you kind of glance at it and think, I've got yeah. this long I've left, got I've got that long yeah. left. Yeah. And yeah, and when you just look at that piece of vinyl, you can really miss it. And you, miss, you kind of miss that point where you you know that's the point to kind of mix from. Once it's gone, it's gone. There's no, there's no loop button. Sorry, mate. You're right there. Uh, no, <laughs> bit of a frog in a throat. Yeah, there's no loop button. You know, That's or, it. Or, or, yeah. or the cue where yeah. you just. Yeah. I, I mix on the snare. I don't mix yeah. on the kick. Oh, like, really? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, mate, I didn't lo- know that. Yeah, lo- Loca Dice does that. Yeah. The reason being, when I learned how to mix, I always thought mixing on the kick was a bit pointless because if you're if you're mixing in after a drop, yeah, when it comes up. You I mean. always miss, I was always slightly out. Yeah. Whereas with a snare, it was like boom, chat. So so it, it felt like it gave me a, um, extra. A, a little introduction of why my timing and snares a little bit more um, clear to hear. It's definitely in a bad in, monitoring situation. Yeah. You can hear the, you know the, the kick on good monitors and bad monitors varies distinctly. Yeah. So yeah, I can, I can, that makes sense. And especially on quite subby stuff, I find yeah. the kick a little bit harder to pick out but now now i'm so used to the to the, yeah, the tap and the click of, knock, of it yeah. i can do it without even the headphones really on my ear just sort of resting really um that's just a that's just a habit you know whether whether i know it technically it's wrong but, but yeah, i find but what, it easier you know, what's right and wrong really well what i find difficult now with vinyl is that if I miss my cue, yeah. I have to spin it back and refine the snare. Whereas if I was on the kick, it'd be a lot easier. Yeah, because it's there. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the pros and cons of vinyl. That's interesting. That. I don't know if I could do it. Well, it well, my thing, brain would automatically be trying to catch back up with a kick. Well, with um, with the snare, is that, so when I cue up a snare, yeah. CD's great because I just cue it to yeah. the snare. It's just just takes two minutes well not two minutes yeah, two say, seconds taking you a while eh? <laughs> yeah. I should be better by now um, no it t- takes me a couple of seconds and yeah. bang and then once you've got the, on the CD you know all day long still CD uh, yeah you're yeah. still on CDs yeah yeah I still use CD what do you, what do you have um, SD card oh right so, yeah uh, sometimes um, it's just don't have to worry about ejecting the wrong thing yeah <laughs> Can't talk about that. Again. And that thirty seconds it seems to take for it to come out and go back. Mm, in. Yeah, I've only done that once <laughs> on the drop. It just dropped and yep. yeah, yeah. Let's put my hands up. And say sorry. Yeah, yeah. I think it's happened to everyone. Vinyl was a lot worse because if you're in the middle, I've never of a mix, done it on a record ever. That's the weird thing. Oh. I've never lifted the wrong needle. You're really, yeah, missing, you're I, really yeah, missing I shift, out. I, I shifted <laughs> to CD and then ejected the wrong CD. I don't. It's, yeah, I, I remember know. playing a Bedrock once, and um, I was in. The, I was just queuing up a record. I just put it on. I was finding the spot. Yeah. Just as I just I brought the fader, um, MC Spee, who was the MC of Terminal Head. Yep. Walked past me and jogged me arm, and it went no. <laughs> right across <laughs> the whole record. <laughs> so it just literally went. <laughs> There's no escape there, is there? Nope. No, I had to just stand there and go. Oh, 
that. But then it's easy to ca- just yeah. put it back on on a on a, on a record where yeah. you can't put it back on on a CD once you hit that cue button. No. You're back to the first bit of beats. Sadly, yeah. Yeah. Pros and cons again. Exactly. I think. Um, I think with DJing is is what you know what what works for you. You know. So, so you're playing off SD? Well, yeah, I mean, the transition was quite easy. Um, I thought it, it scared me, and I took my right. CDs with me the first gig. That, you know, yeah. like, is this going to work, this newfangled thing? I don't know. But um, but I found the transition quite easy because I had the sort of foldering system that I used for how I put stuff on CDs anyway, that I was used to, so I just transferred that digitally, so I still go into essentially what would be a CD, right. but it was a folder with those 10 tracks on. And that's kind of how it works, right for me. I, I like I like to select out of a wallet. Yeah. Old habits die hard, you know, with a vinyl thing, you know, actually flicking through. I do. That's what I do miss. And you know, when you're looking for one track specifically, you might come across another one on the way, and you're like, "I'll have that later." And you, that yeah. doesn't work with MP3s. No. Because it's just a file name that you're ignoring because you're looking for another file name because you're literally scrolling through files. That's it. Yeah. Um, but that's why. That's the reason why. But the flip of it. Because um, I never pre-plan a set, I, you know. I'll put things in a folder like I'm probably gonna play out of these thirty, forty tracks, but I'll never sort of right. I'm starting here, finishing there, and this is right. the track in order. I always do it on the fly. But the good thing I find with record box or whatever that you can use now is you're on that plane going to that gig. You can really try and test everything out start to stop you can you can mix two well now with the new record box you can mix four but you can mix two tracks there and then to see how they sound see how they go right. whilst you're kind of almost um, putting together essentially a playlist like, yep. like I said it's it's a fairly loose playlist for me because yeah. I might jump from track one to track ten you know right, yeah. without following a specific order but it's, it's great to kind of get your head in that mindset right yeah. before the gig rather than panicking in with a CD wallet. Yep. Thinking, I know I want to play a trap, I can't remember whereabouts it is. For me anyway, it works. Yeah, kind of, um, I have little runs. Yeah. So I kind of link up runs. I have like a few, couple of tracks, two or three tracks. I know. and tested ones that you know. Do really right, work. Yeah. And then I, I kind of go, you know, and then I sort of, I, yeah, and sort of link them up to where, where I want to go. So I know that something's a bit tougher or a bit yeah. harder or, or it's going to be a little bit more, accessible and not I'm going to say light hard light hard it's not a comedy, <laughs> comedy show comedy records, yeah. Yeah. but something a little bit not so um, so strenuous on the dance floor something that's a little bit more groove based yeah. you know not as in- um, intense yeah and it's kind of linking it up to make a to make a set out of rather yeah. than having you know it's difficult. You, I, don't, I, don't, I find I don't know anyone you, who actually has a set piece. I, you know. I know a lot of people. Oh, really? They do yeah, yeah, and and they will play that to the death, even if it's not working. That that's their set. I've seen that happen. Wow, that's so many times. And it's how it's, do they how do they work out? I mean, you know, I don't know. They, does it work sometimes? No, it no. <laughs> it's like occasionally it does, but I've seen it work <laughs> not work more times than it worked. Wow, you know, where, and that's all they're going to play. And they won't deviate from that plan, no matter what. It's quite interesting. But often they're producers more than DJs. Right. 
Have you ever turned up at a club and you're just not carrying anything that's suitable, <laughs> like a misbooking or, uh, or or just just being in <sighs> being in the wrong place, you know? And a few it, times, quite a few times. Yeah. But you, I always try and adapt as best I can. Obviously, you're limited to what you got and and within the music you got with you and mentally within how far you're stretch yeah but i always try and give it what i've the best of what i've got anyway right even if it is the wrong scenario or you're in a club that you really shouldn't have been booked at but i got pulled off the decks after 10 minutes in russia really Where, um, what, what country what, what country what um, city sorry it was in moscow actually it, i can't remember the name of the club um and i found out afterwards it wasn't actually anything to do with what i played they literally just needed me to turn up to get the sponsorship money and then pull me off and, and put back on the resident who was playing like remixes of California Dreaming and stuff like that. So it was nothing to do with what I did or didn't play. Oh, you won't be the first or last. I got I got tugged <sighs> off, not literally. It's a bit of soldier story, <laughs> no? But so, I, I got um, pulled off the decks. Um, off. Yeah, tugged <laughs> off. <laughs> do not do that again. <laughs> Wrong word. Um, <laughs> I got um, pulled off the decks in uh, Beijing. Right. And it was another thing. But I kind of. You know, I walked in the club, and the, you know, I don't know if any anyone's aware of the Chinese clubs, but yeah, I've been there a lot. It's it's it's, it's drinking culture. Right yeah, at table. I mean, the dance floor took about a hundred people, and the rest of it, but the, and that's quite the, a big one. <laughs> but the venue itself took about a thousand people. Yeah. You know, so it's very much a and tables. table service. And, it's all about tables and playing you know, dice. Well, I arrived, and they were playing like Jamaica, not a remix or anything mm-hmm. like that, and they're playing like Kylie Minogue, like yeah. slow, and I was just like. This is like this is a. It's good chemical brothers remix of that track. It's on a yellow vinyl. Oh really? Yeah, you should, ah. you should yeah check it out. Oh, do you know what I actually think it's a great track that is as well? Yeah, it is. Their remix is good. Really? Mm. I'll look after that. Isn't thanks for the tip. Sorry. No, I'll I send. Yeah, I've got a digital copy. Well, he wasn't playing that version. Yeah. Well, he should have been. <laughs> he was playing the original. <laughs> yeah. and I, although I enjoyed it, I was thinking, what the fuck am I going to play? Yeah. I think I lasted like four tracks. Oh wow! I couldn't wish. My my music in my CD wallet to be appropriate, but it just wasn't. There was just nothing in there. Like I, I mean, it was like it was, Britney Spears, yeah. you know. Like there was no chance. There was no. no I, I, do, do, I do not have any pop music. Yeah. You know, I've I've had probably the exact like as far away from that scenario as you can get. I got told off by a Chinese promoter for having the whole club dancing instead of drinking. So literally. They've gone from not being interested to what was being played and obviously spending a lot on the bottles at the tables to yeah. not caring about the bottles or the tables. They were dancing on the tables. The whole It was an amazing gig, but I got told off and told I'd never play there again by the promoter because I'd technically done my job and made them dance instead of drink. So that's China for you. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I don't think there's any kind of rhyme or reason but out it, there. Yeah, it's a good region to play. I played there back in August. Ketamine's actually. really taken off in China. Yeah. You've seen this? It, yeah. um, they take a load of ketamine and go to karaoke clubs. Yeah. yeah. Wasted. <laughs> it's just like... I'd, I'd love fantastic. to hear them singing on that though. <laughs> oh my God. Um, you know, Slow-mo karaoke. I'd really like to see this. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a, only in China, yeah. basically. Only in China, it's like, hey, let's do K and go to karaoke. KK? It's great in theory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Reality is like, yeah. So anyway, right. Sorry. I was there in August, actually. Was you? A few weeks ago. Yeah, I played in Shanghai. Um, oh, cool. It was a outdoor sort of festival and they, it was called, I think it's kind of 
their version of, or a smaller version of Tomorrowland. You know, it had oh, that sort okay. of decor to it. it was, oh, I was playing on stage, it was sort of built to look like a castle. It was pretty was good, good, actually. Yeah, it yeah. was good, yeah. yeah. Hot. Um, yeah. I'd, I think it was about 40 degrees, and obviously it's outdoor stage. I had two AC units and a fan, and I was still soaked when yeah. I came off. So and it was windy as well. And it was on a baseball stadium, so I just had it's like getting sandblasted in a sauna <laughs> for two hours, <laughs> pretty much. But it was a good gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I do masses go out in China. Yeah. Um, funny enough, I posted. Um, I was playing your playing my remix I'd done for you. Yeah, you know? monsters. Was, yeah, that was in a yeah, China so. gig. Um, you know, just an immense crowd. It's trying with glow sticks. Intense remix that though, so it goes off. Yeah. You know, what I didn't show is that I had an MC. Yep. And he was Chinese and he was wearing a gold suit. Gold suit? <laughs> yeah. Wow. And he had peroxide blonde hair. <laughs> uh, a Chinese dude. Yeah. Um, what was he shouting? Do you know? I don't know. It's was he, Chinese. It could, the crowd were loving it. He might know? have been laughing at you. You don't know. <laughs> like, look at this idiot. Yeah. <laughs> look at this. What is he playing now? It makes some noise. Bald idiot. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've I've found that a lot in Asia as well. MCs that you know kind of hype the crowd that normally you wouldn't have them. Do you have any thoughts on MCs? I'm personally not a big, I, you know, all due respect to them. But for myself, I'd rather not have an MC um, yeah. for my sets. And as a punter, I don't necessarily want to be told to put hands in here. Um, so you know, but it works in some scenarios. I think it works for, for drum and bass. Works for some genres. But yeah, I don't garage, think there's a place. Garage, it kind of works. Um, grime, it yeah, works. Yeah, know. yeah. Um, Elite Force has got um, a really good take on MCs. Right. He just turns them down. I've done that He, he doesn't I've, even ask him. He just oh, really? pushes the fader down. When you get like a live percussionist or a saxophone player, I've done. I've turned. I've been told off like by their managers before. And I was <laughs> like, what are you doing? doing? Sax player. I've had a sax... Right, this is a random... I've had it a few times. I guess because I play a lot of house sets. But I've had it a few times. I've had a sax player and a percussionist. And there's one gig in London. I can't remember where the clock was. I think it was Brixton somewhere. I had both of those. and they But they were both placed quite away from the booth. And they were obviously then playing off the main PA system. So they had a slight delay to what they're playing. You know, what they're hearing. Right. So they're playing yeah. out of time. And that's coming through my monitors whilst I'm trying to mix. So I just turned them off. So they're on these platforms playing, but it's not coming out. So nice. I've got a proper telling off for turning them off. And I was like, <laughs> look, just an hour and a half, they're not playing. Sorry. That's fair enough, though. You know, at the end of the day, if you get boots, you know. It's... Well, yeah. They sound it shit. I guess, it, yeah, if you want a percussionist, you would have brought one. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they're normally quite wired and off on their own little trip as well. And any breakdowns, they've still got to keep going 100 miles an hour through it. And you're like, mate, just let the record breathe a minute there's not percussion over this for a reason yeah, so, yeah but then you do occasionally get good ones so I'm, not, same, I'm not dissing them <laughs> yeah I, I was, I've been in Holland and there was a, yeah. was a girl that was MCing but yeah. she she started to sing when I was on and she had a cracking voice she had an amazing voice and it sounds she just made everything I was playing sound great yeah. and have so much more soul than what I it say, when it did. works it really works but sometimes I think maybe, you know, it is a rare it's, it's, it's not it? well thought out sometimes. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, anyway, so we're. I'm <laughs> sorry. Now we've now we dived, <laughs> we dived into moaning about percussionists yeah. and sex, sexophonists. Big up all the and, um, yeah, session musicians. And a moan about sorry. China. Yeah. What else? <laughs> <laughs> um, should we get on to. Um, I'd, I'd like to get on to the label stuff because yeah, it's cool. quite interesting. It's, um, 
when we were speaking earlier yep. off air, you said that you have some plans. Yeah, I just um, the label's been running just over five years now, and I kind of, you know, it's a learning curve. Really, I don't necessarily pretend to know how to run a label when I started it, and I'm, you know, I've started it in a digital era, so. Um, sadly, there's never been any physical product really. Um, so it's been a learning curve, and I kind of feel like I really found my feet with it. Finally, learnt what does and doesn't really work, you know, in the current marketplace. I know it's all changing again with streaming, but um, but I kind of feel I don't know, like I've got a new lease of life of it really. Um, I, I'm excited about where it's going. Kind of this last six months since the Five Years album came out, I, I rebranded it and kind of refocused it slightly um and all the artists we've got on board now are really proactive and all work really well together you know everyone's actually it's like a little family unit genuinely you know i know it's quite a cliche thing for a label to say but but it's literally like that and everyone's helping each other right so who, who, are, the, so, who are the main or the, not the, main what's, yeah. what's what's your roster i mean it's quite a, there's quite a few artists but you know the, the regulars there's people like they're all sort of up and coming names so there's no big hitters but they've all got the talent to do that um new single we got at the moment is from a guy called dirty secrets who's who's done quite a few things he's been on subliminal murillo's label stealth roger sanchez um and ministry and people like that but the sort of singles he's given me this year just the really good records and they're quite timeless records um so i just feel like you know when you kind of get a good vibe about a producer and the tracks they're doing and the direction they're going with it i feel like next year you know potentially could be a really good year for him and the single we've got at the moment is a cover do you remember gold tricks tripping yeah. i don't remember that it's yeah. jill scott originally but yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, based on that um he's done a version of that that that's doing really well. it's been out a week and it's gone top 10 tracks also already i, um, I love the, i gotta say the um the uh, Joe Scott version. Yeah. I, I loved amazing. it, and I loved the album amazing. it was on. Yeah. So when it was covered originally, I, I obviously I knew the lyrics. So yep. I was like, I love this song. Yeah. The familiarity. That's a good one, though. It's well, no one's really done it since. I mean, obviously, Do you know, that was Matrix. Uh, yeah, it was Matrix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. done it, but yeah. he didn't do a drum and bass version. It was a house version, wasn't it? Well, I, see, I've got about three the different ori- vinyls. That I've got the original white label, which was the drum and bass. It was right. Matrix. I think. I think I can't remember. I think it was actually with the Jill Scott sample at the time before Andrea Brown revocaled it. Yes, it was. Then I got the release with the Andrea Brown vocal on, and then there were a few mixes of that, like different gear mix, and I think there was another one. Um, but but yeah, I, I still remember that. We original bootlegged it. White well. label. <laughs> we, you guys bootlegged it. I don't know. I don't know. Great feet bootlegged that. Yeah. yeah. Um, tripping out. I bet it did well. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> but again, sign of a good vocal, right? So, yeah, yeah. So, so sorry, so, carry on. No, <laughs> Just yeah, interrupt you. So, well, yeah. Um, so he's someone I'm like really pleased that we're working closely with. Um, there's a few guys, man. I mean, there's probably too many to list, but I, I do feel like we're in a good place. And moving into next year, I've got someone coming on full time within the office to kind of run things properly um, and with as mad as it sounds we're actually starting the sort of strategy for 2016 yeah. now so everything I'm doing now is working kind of almost towards not like not a relaunch anyway but January 2016 to start rolling out essentially a new game plan with it which yeah. which is exciting whether it works or not so I you, don't know are you, you going to be releasing Sunny Wharton stuff yeah I've, I've I'm I, you know, originally I started the label with View to putting my own stuff out on it. Right. Um, and 
view to because I was getting sent a lot of good stuff off other artists, Ant Brooks, Paul Thomas, you know, a lot of friends didn't have homes for their music. So I'd always wanted to do a label. So I was like, well, I want somewhere for my music and they want somewhere to put music out. So let's do this. And it kind of sort of grew from there, really. Because um, obviously, I was, since I've known you, yeah. you've been recorded, releasing on Skin. Yeah, well... So there was a kind of... Yeah, when, when I signed with Skin, um, I kind of wanted to put all my focus on that because, you know, that's, that's like a dream signing with Skin. You know? yeah. um, so I think there were a couple of singles I put on Wartone on, in the interim, but the, the focus for me was about Skin because... You know that that's where I wanted to be as an artist. Um, I've got I've got a new single coming on my label at the end of October, um, which and the last single I've just put out was on Skin, right. so back in the summer, back in July. So um, they're still my two homes really for my singles right. at the moment. Um, but yeah, obviously I'm going to be putting strong singles on my own label because. I believe in the label and I believe in my singles and I've got full creative control over yeah. how I approach yeah. that, the time and the you know lead up and how the sort of campaign rolls out after that. So And then I own it 100% as well. So I've got rights to re-license it yeah. and do what I want with it without... Which is important. It's like, yeah, you know, very it's important. Like, especially yeah. in this day and age because, yeah. you, you know, artists need to know, you need to own all of their, all of their rights. Yeah, totally. Well, I think it's frustrating. There's nothing worse than spend spending a lot of time on you know what you ultimately believe in as a record otherwise you wouldn't put it out yep. you know and then i've done it in the past you know you give it to a label they love it blah 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 then they don't even tell you it's out or when it's coming out yeah. and you're like i've got a new single out you don't even told me there was no promo plan there's no exposure no one knows about it and it's yeah. wasted and i've signed that track away and i'll never see it again and it's done and it's done and, yeah. and then you never get paid anyway and so like within a week, it's it, yeah. it's over. <laughs> so I do. I I, I wanted. Yeah, I, I don't kind of. That's lessons you learn as as you sort of, I guess, go along in a game. But I don't. I I like retaining more control over my my product now. Well, yeah. Sense. Yeah, I know. So, it makes complete sense. Yeah. Um, especially when it comes to licensing, yeah. you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it, it's easy for. You say that with like tracks that you release is that you can they can pick up licenses five ten twenty years later you know you, you see it all the time you know yep. it's just a you need that you need that music to be worked the last thing you want to do is give a label a piece of music it kind of almost comes out it doesn't do well it just gets shelved it's like yeah you just become yeah. part of stock yeah exactly that they then sell in bulk yeah you know and, and never account to you for anyway so i think um yeah well i think with them with labels and accounting, um, you know, because obviously I run a label as well. I think one of the one of the problems everyone's run into is that yeah. there's so little money yeah. involved in in the digital world. Is that generating statements to tell an artist that they haven't made any money costs more money than what they've already lost? Yeah, it um, does. But and, you know, I'm not, not you know, yeah. I, I, I won't try and go down this road too much because it's such a negative road. Or it costs you more in a bank transfer to pay them five pounds twenty oh. than it does. You know, Especially like you, most of our artists are, are, are um, from different countries. Yeah, so, so that's your fifteen, twenty. All quid. European. It's I mean, yeah. or or. or you know, Australian, it's yeah, like... For international bank transfer. Fucking nightmare. This is why stuff like Bandcamp works really well. There's a new facility on Bandcamp and 
I'm not endorsed, and I'm just saying this because it's a great, it's a great. Um, a lot of artists love Bandcamp. I've, well, I've, I've not explored it massively myself yet. We'd have a new facility, oh. which is fantastic. So, if you're running a label, you can allocate their, an artist's share of their piece of music yeah. directly to their PayPal. So, so the moment it you gets get bought, paid, it goes straight into their brilliant. account, their share. And it's all in black and white, what was sold on your stats. Yeah. For a label's point of view is that this really could be the future of selling music. Yeah. Um, the problem is, is that when you put music on Beatport, and this is where it gets all... Or I say, I'm saying Beatport, it's like, we just get accounted to from third party for all the other sites. Yeah. And there's not really the breakdown as to what and where and how. I see, there is for me. Uh, so it's down to I your distributor. Know. Yeah, but um, I mean, that's a drop Big up label works. <laughs> uh, do you know what? I've been looking at label works. Honestly, I use them for promo. Honestly, man, hands down. I can't, I'd like, I'm not, again, like you're saying, bank, I'm not, I'm not here to endorse them anyway, but genuinely, they are awesome. Well, I, I'd use them for promo yeah. and I, I would recommend them. The, yeah. the management system they've got in place for the label, they've, you can, it's all kind of, you can use as much as you want. You know, it's almost like bolt-ons essentially. So if you want to use their accounting system, um, you, you, I think, and it's all relative to how much money you're in as a label as well. So it's like a percentage of your, you know, quarterly statement they take out for the credit to use that accounting system. So it's, it's pretty fair if you're a big label, it's going to cost you more. If you're a small label, it's going to cost you less. Yeah. But the the breakdown of data and stuff in that is amazing because that gets sent with the statement to the artist so you haven't got to go adding up spreadsheets yourself or anything right. it's all automatically generated and sent to them you literally just assign it to the artist click send okay. and, and it's a no-brainer like it makes accounting so easy right um, yeah. they've got loads of little tools like that in place but yeah that's great it, it, it makes i guess that's an advantage of having a digital label in a digital world you know where yeah. it's Physical sales are different because you're dealing with, yeah. with um, different entities. But but yeah, you know that's one great thing about the technology that we've got available now is yeah, there's the tools that are available with it. Well, there you go. Um, uh, what's it? Labelworks.com. Labelworks.com. Yeah. Com, so label-works.com. I think. Yeah, labelworks-com. Yeah, because um, well, we use them for the promo, but yeah. I have looked. At, um, I know that they're doing a lot of other stuff, and they're. they're they are highly endorsed as it goes by other companies. Well, they've got a Richard Horton's label, Martinus. They've got loads of people touring using really? loads of labels using them. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, they're, they're, and the, some of the stuff they've got coming is really good as well. They've got um, they've got tools, I don't know if you've seen, again, for labels, it's great. They're like a demo system, which kind of works like their promo system. Again, you kind of pay for that as a bolt-on to, to your package. But um, where you can set up a demo page, people use that to submit a demo so you, you don't have to worry about the SoundCloud issues or any of the other issues. Right, it's all within yeah. your management system. Um, and again, all the contact details are there, all the files are already there, everything's all within the system. So, you know, one upload's done. Um, someone submits a demo to you, you deal with it how you want. But that's another thing they've got, as well as the promo system. They've got things like SoundCloud and YouTube things. So you've got a track out. You've only uploaded it once to send to the stores, that WAV, you know, the master file. Yeah. So the file's already within the system. So you then tell it, right, I want to put a three-minute preview. You create a three-minute preview of SoundCloud, it sends it to SoundCloud. I want to generate a five-minute YouTube video of it. With it. You choose where the fades are, you choose what part you're using, you choose the artwork, sends it to YouTube for you. It's all within that one system. So right. it saves you probably four days a week of oh, right. manually doing it every other way. Well, that would save me so. a, a 
Not Mate, a huge amount of time uh, after this. I'll yeah, I, speak to him. I was going to say, right, let's wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've got sorry. some work to do. Yeah. Um, no, that's awesome. Um, what? Yeah, we won't dwell on that too much because yeah. um, I had a little bit more of a negative slant because um, the way that we get paid by Beatport, mm-hmm. um, did you know that they automatically take ten percent for the MCPS? So you, yeah, but they don't pay that back out, do they? Or yes, that they do. They have to pay it. Like they, they, the deal that was done meant that they didn't have to pay historic they had to start paying from a date right so when does that come in this this year though yeah uh no no it's been going on for a few years so when you get accounted to um is that after the 50 percent that they've already taken (laughs) (laughs) and also the um you that they have estimated sales and it's never exactly you 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 never the estimation is always what you have to what you get is always lower always lower than what they what the what the account looks like so you have some artists are like well i want to see the beatport sales and like you show them and then they go yeah but i didn't receive that it's like that's because that's not what we received yeah can only pay you what we received do you know what I mean your share of what we received so you end up in this this where it gets really really awkward and then we start like I always find it with new artists rather than established artists I think ones that have been around false expectations though. yeah, yeah. Um, you know I've had that I've had I've, I've been there you know yeah you get a track at number one and track it down you don't realise it's only taking <laughs> no disrespect to it, it's only taking six sales or something to get it yeah 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 uh, yes. and then you're like where's my 200 300 quid you're like, and mate, it hasn't sold anything. It's not like that, yeah. So it's probably naivety. And, and, and I've been there, you know, I've, I've, I've not quite realised. It's an awkward conversation yeah. because you kind of don't want to take any wind out of anyone's sales yeah. by saying, look, that wasn't didn't take much to get there. Yeah. Um, I know. Um, and I guess the idea is to exploit that position yourself. Mm-hmm. Rather than thinking that the label, the label needs to make make their money out of sales. But if you're, you know, if you're a DJ producer, once you start getting chart positions, it's down to you to exploit what what you what you've achieved yeah, from totally. there. You know, because you know a top ten track should equate to maybe at least a show. Do yeah. You know what I mean? So if you're charging, I don't know, five hundred to a thousand pounds or whatever. Then, then all of a sudden that 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 track was worth doing. Yeah, totally. Do you know what I mean? Well, essentially, as sad as it is, you know, you make tracks. It's the exact opposite of what the model was, but you make tracks to do gigs now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you used to do gigs to sell the album, or that was the old sort of music. Yeah. The template. Wasn't template. It? Yeah. But now you make an album to do a tour. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, you've got you've you've got to utilize that chart position, and that's where the numbers game sadly takes over. I think. I know. So it's, a, it's especially when it's manip- Well, it's always been manipulated from the dawn of time with the music industry, but you know, it's more. It's it's a bigger business now in our scene, I think, for the manipulation. So, and that's kind of owned <coughs> and dominated by about three or four big yeah. labels. It's in, it's, it is interesting, I, you know, I'm, if, if you don't mind, I don't mind happy just kind yeah, of cool. shooting the breeze over this stuff because I noticed on the last podcast when I was mm-hmm. chatting to Ben Coder, um, I got a lot of feedback when we were talking about um, uh, manipulation of like social media and yep. kind of what it meant and what the point of it was. 
I've got to be honest, I was pretty drunk while we were discussing it. And <laughs> we I, haven't, noticed, don't worry. I haven't listened back to all of it because I'm a little bit ashamed. No, I listened, no, I listened to it, man. It was, it's all good. Um, but there's, like you say, uh, there's a few people dominating yeah. the, the music, the dance music scene. Yeah. You know, I, I use an example. It's one of them being spinning. Yeah. Now, they need to kind of maintain that level of success regardless I'm, I'm, maybe they do have a machine that means that anyone can put out music through that machine and hit high chart positions. Maybe they do. I would find it hard to believe to the how accurate that machine is yeah. working that they're always I think the, I always think, I think, top ten. I think the infrastructure they've got in place now, they are in that position to do it. No. Really? No, yeah. You know, obviously the names come through yeah. and smash it. Yeah, obviously they they have a big fan base and spinning must fan base must be insane. I think I don't know what the stats are, but their YouTube channel recently it hit like a record number of subscribers, like ridiculous right. amount for for a dance music label, like stupidly ridiculous high. I just can't remember what the figures were. Because it's not pop so. music. I know some of it's poppy, but no, it's not. But it's not like chart music, really. I know some of it. Some of it kind of touches on it, but. You don't hear spinning records on daytime radio one. No, but some of those tracks are then relicensed, and they are on daytime radio one. Really? And, and um, as far as I'm aware, they've got an interest in look, the likes of Martin Garrix, who's right. managed by Justin Bieber's manager. Okay. Which is, you know, it, they, t- they took a tried it, it took a tried it, and tested model with it is a model with, with, with that you know young sort of fan base Justin Bieber pop. Right, if we have a dance music version of that, that's going to work too. We use the same, obviously slightly tailored differently, the same infrastructure, the same logistics, the same template almost um, to put that in play and it's going to work and it has. Yeah. That's off to them. Well, know, no, no, it's As, definitely, as, it's as, definitely, as a business know. model, it clearly works. Yeah, it's, that, it's kind of like um, at one point tool room the same, you know, they were... Touring, I, but they 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 got a lot of diversity on that label. Whereas spinning, spin has a kind of a sound, you know. That yeah, I think touring's. I I rate that label a lot, especially lately. The music they've got since they've, they've got some great music with yeah. um, touring tracks. The yeah. direction Matt's Matt Small has taken with that is awesome. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's just good techno kind of Solid. that sort of sound. Um, and then that, I think that's allowed them to sort of free up the main side of the label for, you know, they've gone very hasty with the main sort of, you know, tool room itself and the tracks has gone more sort of techy, which is how it always used to be when it first started. Yeah. But I think when EDM came along, a lot of labels probably had to find their feet a little bit during, you know, a couple of years and yeah. sort of work out the direction where everything was going. A lot well, of artists had to as well. Well, it really so, shook things up, didn't it? Yeah. Definitely. Um, you know, that became that dominant, powerful player musically that took over everything. I'm saying EDM in a loose word, you know, that, that yeah, what we're kind of calling. Yeah. Well, kind of, of, where, sound, but, sort of where Electro House morphed into. But it's ironically morphing back into Electro House, just no one's admitting it. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's the progressive house as well. well I yeah. mean, you know, I listen yeah. to that and. I, you know, from what sounds to me, that's EDM. You yeah, know. Totally. saying that a lot of bass house is starting to drift that way as well. Well, it's because they're using that saw bass line. You know, the, yeah. deep house is kind of becoming electro in two thousand eight, two thousand nine kind of <laughs> year. But 
but it's still it's deep ice at the moment. I'm saying that with inverted commas. Yeah, yeah, you are. It doesn't work over a radio. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just renamed. But it's, it's it just seems strange that it's kind of evolved back into something it already was, rather than evolving in a different way. If evolving is the right word, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of. Um, it, it, it's interesting to watch. It's interesting to watch the artists that jump ship. Yeah, you know, but some do it well, and some artists need to yeah. maintain a level of success. And to follow the crowd means to maintain. And you know, you know, there's only a real handful of artists that have done so well in the genre that are mm-hmm. at the pinnacle of the genre that they can continue going down that road like comfortably yeah. you know like your Richie Hortons you yeah. know I, I, I use you know he's a great example because he's you know he's he he epitomises techno yeah. and always has but but you know his sound has evolved with oh, yeah. with the way techno's evolved you know and, and it's or, of, or do you think he's evolved and techno's yeah quite possibly moved with quite him possibly, as yeah. well you know, you know it's slowed down it's, it's you know it's, it's changed a lot from 10, 15 years ago. Um, this but it's still got that core identity. It's just, yeah. it's just, yeah. It's just, like Sven Vaff. I heard him play that, um, the Balkan thing. I can't remember. Um, all right, it'll come back to me. And I mean... What was it, it like, a cis record oh, or something like uh, that? Oh. Salmon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's salmon that? Heater. Heater, Which ministry yes. licensed and it went top 10. Right, I heard him play that track in the middle of the techno set. Yeah. He wasn't, it wasn't banging techno, but I heard him play that track. Now, the first time I'd ever heard it, yeah. and he dropped it, the place went insane yeah. because it was so unique and so different. And to me, that was, like I said, it's the first time I'd ever heard it. Yeah. You know? um, subsequently, yes, it went into our national charts and become a huge hit. First time I heard that in that environment, in that context... I was standing there thinking, like, man, this, and he was leading the pack. Yeah. You but know? It, but it, uh, you see that, though. There's always, like, just, it's that, there's that one track that changes the game every time. And it, and it always starts in something where you least expect it, you know. Yeah. And that's, that's, I guess, where you see, again, like we touched on before, people with some sort of either random vision or forward thinking, and they're like, I'm going to try this. It's nothing like anything else around. Yeah. It's not, I'm not making it to be part of what's now yeah. I just think it's going to work and then it works yeah. and then everyone goes oh we're going to make something like that and yeah. then you get 20, 30, 40 100 different versions but of the same it, thing or a genre yeah. like kind of spawned from a yeah, track yeah totally, you know? totally Laurent Garnier is another one that takes a lot of risks in his set he does yeah, he's um, a great DJ awesome DJ <laughs> really I've never seen a bad set from him ever I just like, I love the diversity. I just mm. love the kind of... The, he's got the balls to do it. And the skills. Yeah. Skills to deliver it, you yeah. know. Um, I, I was kind of inspired by his sets. Um, because he locks it down, plays the, some slamming stuff, but then he he drifts off into some areas that like no other DJs does, you know. No. Makes it work and it sort of keeps everyone happy, you know. I, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's people out there w- w- who would disagree, but me personally, you know, I've... Surely there's uh, no one out there who could disagree with what I'm going to set. <laughs> people disagree with everything. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, you've ever set your life and someone is saying that was... Oh, yeah, you're, you're never, ever you know? going to please 100% of the room, no matter yeah. where. Yeah, and, you know, but I've always left his sets quite inspired. Yeah, me too. You know, Especially and, um, as a DJ. yeah. And I, you know, so you know, there's a few DJs that do that for me. There's a few DJs that, 
that I like like what they do because of simply their sound. Most of the people I'm talking about are actually techno. My favourite yep. DJs are actually techno based. Yeah, um, like Dave Clark. Yeah, like I watch him play, and. I kind of don't want anything else. I just want him to be jacking this shit. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. Dun, 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 and, it, and it just works, yeah. you know. Fine and tested. But I wouldn't go to watch Dave Clark if I wanted a journey through music, <laughs> yeah. you know. I know that he's just going to pin me to that. But the... at least, though, you, you know what you're getting with that. Yeah. And, that, and that's why it works, so, you know. And that works. And not all it works for him because yeah. he's been around for however many years and he's still playing peak time sets at... A lot of the big festivals, yeah. you know, he's filling clubs, you know, clearly he's doing all... But look at someone like Carl Cox, who has diversified and has evolved. He's always had his take on it, but yeah. he's still at the top of his game all yeah. these years on. I don't think anyone can challenge that as a DJ. Yeah, definitely. We've come DJ historians. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I, I love talking about stuff I like. Well, I mean, do you know what I mean? For so. me, that's that's what I got into it through watching DJs. You know, I wanted to be a DJ. I'm not a producer first and foremost. I'm a right, you were a DJ, DJ first. Um, and so for me, that's that's my first love out of it. So that's why I get a buzz off seeing good DJs because, you, like saying, you get inspired by it. You and can, you can appreciate yeah, what they actually yeah, do. Yeah, totally. You see someone who looks bored out of the head in the booth, you're like... Looking at a computer. Yeah, you're thinking, <laughs> you know, you, fair enough, they might be happy, the crowd might be happy with it, I don't know. But personally for me, I, I want some excitement. How long, how long have you been DJing? <coughs> you have to edit that sorry mate um, <laughs> professionally for 12 years but I got decks I think it was about 14 15 I, ironically actually I got um, I think it was from Argos it was about 30 or 40 quid Christmas present when I was 11 and it was a tape deck with some faders on and some sound effects and everyone else was getting like bikes or Sega Mega Drive or something and I was getting this thing called a sound mixer and um, I was like what are you, what's that I didn't really know what it was, but I could link up another tape deck with it because it had because had a couple of input channels on it and a microphone, and that was kind of my first take on DJing. But I didn't know what DJ was at that point. I just, I guess, wanted to play one track into another. But I didn't. I'd never seen a DJ. Didn't even know what the word was at that point. But thinking back about it now, that was technically yeah. probably my first decks. Wow. So, um, so, so um, just so randomly, just so <laughs> people listening know, how old are you? I am thirty-seven years old. All right. So I'm getting on. Yeah. <laughs> She's not as old as me. <laughs> um, we're giving our age away by the fact we're talking about cassette tapes, I think. Yeah, 12 years DJing. Mm. You know, I'm sure that from when you started to where you are now, you've seen a lot of changes. Well, yeah, 12 years in... doing it as a full-time job, really. So, yeah, since I kind of got my first break, um, you know, kind of out of outside of playing locally in sort of small gigs and right. stuff, yeah. Getting paid. Getting, well, you know what it's like getting paid, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Swings around the Getting a few yeah. quid. Yeah, I guess that, um, I guess that, you know, when you get paid, that's, you know, it's a profession. Yeah, yeah. Up to that point, it's, I guess it's a hobby. Yeah, I, I did d deliberately kind of make a point of, right, I'm, I'm, this is going to be my job. You know, I'm, I'm, I got, I got a lucky break that summer in Ibiza. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about that yet. Let's talk about, I'll tell you what, let's talk, talk about, um, we, we spoke off air only because I heard a story of a friend of mine. She said, I've got this story and it's about um, 
sunny Wharton. And, and, and so she proceeded to tell me this story and I was like, that's a really nice heartwarming story. So I'll, I'll let you explain it from, from the beginning. Well, it's, it's almost a little bit cliche, but, um, but I, I, I left my job at the time was working for a sound and lighting company installing sound systems and that in clubs locally. And, um, and I was lucky enough that my boss at the time said, you can go and do this. I wanted to go to Ibiza for the season just to see if I could get a gig in a bar or something. You know, I didn't really know what. I didn't know how to get a gig or what to do. You know, I just enjoyed playing at parties and and little clubs locally. And I kind of thought, well, I want to start playing, you know, further afield. So obviously everyone goes to Ibiza and, and, and that's where the scene kind of, the epicentre for house music really is, for, you know, for my yeah. sort of scene. So I wanted to go and throw myself in the thick of it and see what happened committed to going out for the summer um just before that managed to land a gig i think it was in nottingham i can't remember where the actual club was for a brand i won't mention um who aren't around anymore um but yeah they you know they promised me a gig and right. for me at the time that was like wow this is you know possibly might lead to something it's a good gig i was like well i'm going out to ibiza so it's going to cost me you know i'm going to have to buy a flight back from ibiza to come and do it and then um you know is that all right are you okay to sort it out? yeah yeah we'll pay the flight no problem Brilliant, I've got this great gig, blah, blah, blah. Arranged for all my friends to come. So, you know, there's 20, 30 mates all come into this all-day event. We got there, waited around all day, got messed around. Most of them had to, you know, all pay to get in. Um, had to beg and plead to actually get to play. Got to play for about half an hour, just kind of to my mates. Got really messed around by the promoter. Told I'm not getting any money. And then, depressingly, I'm like, big anticlimax, you know. <laughs> I've been promised this, didn't work out. So I'm sitting, in, anyway, cut that story short, I'm sitting in the airport to catch my flight back to Ibiza for the for the rest of the summer, you know, I was only two weeks in right. to getting there. And um, and I bought DJ Mag in Smiths at the airport, as you do, reading it, and there's a competition. So just on the off chance that I was sat at the airport to buy that, if I was still in Ibiza, I wouldn't have, and I might not be having this conversation, but there was a competition in there to um, submit a mix for renaissance and the prize was to play amnesia for their for their opening party of renaissance in Bifa that summer nice prize. called up my dad's i'd done a, mi a load of mixed cds to take with me um to Ibiza. i left some home can you put this in the post i've just got to jump on this flight back to Ibiza. did genuinely thought nothing of it two or three days later this was back on the days of pay and go cell phones like big <laughs> bricks i almost had no credit and i had this unknown number calling um, and I very nearly didn't answer it because I thought I haven't got much credit I don't know who it is but I did a, pr a press answer and it was Renaissance and I'd won the competition and could I play next week and that gave me my springboard you know so yeah. randomly putting yourself in that place at that time and the fact I was in the beef already I think yeah. helped lead on to the fact the show? that I played um, it, was, it was amazing I played for three and a half hours on <laughs> Amnesia Terrace with all the DJ Mag crew because the, cause the competition gone through them and yeah like genuinely hands down one of still for me I guess because it means so much you but know one of the best things I've ever done and again this was back on vinyl so I was using I just sort of started experimenting with CDs back in the old CDJ 500 days right. with the jog wheels and yep. but so I was I was in an element because I had a DJ booth with two CDJs three decks you know so I was really getting to kind of explore I guess right throwing yourself in at the deep end what but, you can do but, but what DJ, you can do as yeah, a DJ in, front of a big in, crowd. in the best kind of scenario possible so yeah so so with that 
that kind of inspired me then to to following that summer to kind of give it all or nothing I was like right well if I'm going to do this as a job not that I knew how to do it or turn it into you know it's a business essentially how to how to do that I need to give it every moment I've got so I can't have a day job I've got to do this and I wasn't in a financial situation to be able to do that I'm not from a rich family or anything I just felt that I've got to give it everything I've got so that's where I drew the line under you know doing working for a company full time to I'm going to do this full time and and hopefully I haven't really looked back see that's a it's kind of a in, inspirational story I guess because maybe yeah if you if you don't try, you're never going to know. That's the, totally. You know, it's better it's better to kind of worst try case and fail scenario, you know, than... I, I wanted to go out to Beef and see what happened. Worst case scenario, I'll come back and get a job again. But at least I know that it wasn't meant to be, or yeah. it wasn't going to work out. And it might just be that, you know, it might not happen that time. But try the next one. So that set the know. ball in motion. Yeah, totally. Yes. So. Awesome. I love that story. <laughs> like I said, it does sound like a sort of a bit of a cliche Kevin it's and Perry go large tale, kind of thing. Because it? it like, you know, look, it's a lot of people out there would love to tell that story and it'd be them. Do I do feel, I mean? yeah, I do feel quite lucky to be able to say that is actually my story. Yeah, so. fantastic. Um, we've, um, I know, I know we've, spoke a little bit about when when you got into producing but yeah. um yeah, just, sorry, just out, diversified just, off the yeah, question just, just for the sort of tech heads what do you use to a sequencer and you got any rich for plugins we won't dwell too much yeah, on this no, it, it's, some I'm, people are interested and some people kind of switch off a little bit and you talk tech stuff it's, it's quite i've got quite a simple setup i'm still running logic nine um i do get a lot of people asking me why i haven't switched to logic x or if you can hear any crunching, that's because you're eating a Kit Kat. Um, <laughs> eating Kit Kat. In. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm still running Logic Nine, and um, I'm using. To be honest, I use a lot of their native plugins. Um, there's a few go-to things that, like the um, Synopsis Creative Filter, kind of generally use on pretty much every channel. Um, that's sort of my go-to filter for anything. Um, but yeah, the majority of stuff's all kind of Logic based, and yeah. um, I've got a little bit of. Outboard gear, Nord Lead 2, Micro Korg, MC303 kind of, I guess, yep. obvious sort of little toys, but I don't use them a huge amount. Um, I've, I've pinched a lot of sounds off them, but then I use those internally within Logic. Um, so yeah, it's a fairly simple setup. I, I guess it's because I'm not musically trained and I'm fairly self-taught with it all. That I've kind of just learnt to use what I've got and make something out of that. Um, whether that's the right or the wrong way of doing it, I don't know. Well, it's clearly working for um, you, so. Well, yeah, I guess so. With, you know, like if I'm doing a remix, I can't, I'd, I'd love to be able to, but I couldn't go, right, that's in E major or, you know, F sharp. I put the original through mixed in key. It tells me what key it's in. And then through the art of Google, obviously I've kind of, having done it a million times now, know pretty much what keys are in. Right. You know, what notes are in what key and stuff. But, but yeah, by by kind of using those tools, that then tells you know allows me to know right I can use these keys in this scale, and these will harmonically work with yep. these. All my samples in all my sample banks are key labelled. I've put everything through mixed in key, so I can just search for something in D minor, right, and have two hundred samples pop up in the finder, and know that as I'm scrolling through all them, they're going to work with this track, which allows my workflow to work quite quickly because right. I'm not just randomly reaching for samples and them thinking that no, that doesn't work because it's the wrong key or having to transpose or pitch it up or down. Yeah. You know, it works or it doesn't. And I'm quite 
I'm quite picky. If something doesn't work fairly instantly, I will, <laughs> I will bin it rather than spend a day trying to Fit force it, it yeah. to work. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that's the right or wrong way of doing it, but that's how... That's how you do it. That's and how I do it, yeah. Do you know what? Is that I, 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 I think it's just all about the results. Hmm. Um, I've managed to write a couple of sort of big piano tracks without any <laughs> musical knowledge, so I'm quite... Yeah, you know, it, it can work. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it, it definitely works. I've, I don't. I don't think there's any right. Right. I, 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 you you kind of know when something doesn't sound right. So, I, you know, I just kind of go with my gut. I see. Sort of um, producing electronic music as um, a kind of DIY thing where yep. you, you 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 know just in the same way as like the punk era era is that. The Buzzcocks famously said it's like, you know, all their, all their songs are based on three chords and that's all they had to learn. They're incredibly catchy songs, incredibly well, famous a, bands. A lot of know? the biggest bands in the 60s and 70s are based on three or four chords. In fact, some of the, well, most of the number one records ever are all based around <laughs> the same chords. Yeah. Guessing simplicity is... Less is more by yeah, the sound of it. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so thank you for that. Um, no worries. Hope it didn't bore people too much. <laughs> no, 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 you had to. <laughs> There's not much there to bore. Uh, I think I think a lot of people produce, and it's always like the grass is greener. Whenever yeah. I'm I'm making music, I always look at, listen to other people's music. And think, yeah. Oh, but they have to all this set up, and they have this, and they have that. And, I have got know. friends that always have to have the latest this, the latest that, the latest that, but they never quite get there with the track, and I'm like. To, if you can kind of not that I can I haven't mastered what I've got but if you can master what you've got you can you can get Do the more. best result yeah. out of that that's it you yeah. don't necessarily need a different synth to make the same sound that's it so. I totally agree I think um, yeah just, I, you I'm know it's great if it inspires you to make something you know that's, that's cool because it gives you that sort of kick up the bum to right I want to try this it's you know. it's just listening to other people's music mm. you always have a, a vision in your head yeah, that they will have like banks and banks and banks of plugins to create this amazing sound. And the truth of the matter is, is they probably don't. Yeah, you know. But it's that they Smoke just mastered. Yeah, oh, yeah, they just mastered getting but, that yeah. sound thick and yeah. the way that it, you know, the way it jumps out the speaker. You know, which is uh, it's but a different art. You sometimes know? though, that might not even necessarily be down to them. They might have a, you know, they might have a great mixing and mastering engineer that that gives that dynamic to their track. Yeah, I, I, yeah, you know, definitely having a good mastering engineer is important, definitely. Yeah. But yeah, obviously the mix down's got to be spot on before he gets to it. Or in some cases different... in this industry, it might just be that they use a good engineer that writes the track for them. But I don't know if you want to go down that conversation road. Do you know what, like, it's an awkward road to go down yeah. because then you can look at um, partnerships mm-hmm. And go well. One's an engineer, and one's the ideas man, and they just do not deliver individually. Yeah, that they kind of thrive off each other. So it's a kind of that's a bit of a minefield. I was talking to someone else that I won't say, in fact, because he would kill me. But um, he's ghostwriting for another sort of famous DJ, and. The, the music that he's produced isn't kind of the music that he would normally produce. Yeah. But because it's not normally the music he would produce, he just listens to the genre and it has no sort of filter when it comes to like, well, I can't use that, I can't use that. He'll just go, well, everyone else is using that, that's the sound I should use because yep. this, uh, this epitomises the sound, like, you know, it's, it's electro house, you know. But so, and then every time he's doing it, they're getting really good chart positions and the tracks are going really well and he's actually had more success I say it's ghost he's not writing. got that, that limited 
sort of blinker of that stops yeah. him from going well I can't use that because these last 10 tracks are all in the top 10 you've used it so I shouldn't yeah. he's like well this is what I need to put in a track to make it a top 10 and it's working yeah so it's a it's a funny situation, you know, with with the ghost writing because people come up with some really good material or material that's very popular in a genre because they don't have the the creative restrictions of writing for themselves. Yeah. Thinking, well, I can't do that because I want to be different, right? And then, but then off, again, it's it's like you're saying it's a tricky sort of topic to cover. But then you've got the artist themselves that's got their name on it going and because they've had a you know a big hit suddenly they're getting five ten grand a dj set off the back of that track that someone else has made <laughs> that's right my son crying outside the door <laughs> he's locked him out <laughs> yeah you know then they're they're riding off the back of that and well yeah it's that's my son screaming outside Sorry. the door <laughs> yeah he doesn't write his topic move on <laughs> I hope his mum's out there. <laughs> no, 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 no. I can, I can hear her. With regards to the ghost writing, that, that's capitalism, basically. Yeah, you, yeah, it is. You buy a well, commodity. It's not, and, it's not any difference to pop industry or mainstream. You know, you, yeah. you're putting a face on a product. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, every, uh, how, how many pop artists actually write their own music? I, don't get me wrong, I know that some people do. Yeah. You know, and I'm certainly not shooting it down. And I would never shoot down pop because it has its place. Yeah, um, pop for pop a music. reason. So, yeah. But um, I'm quite proud, like, it is a good example. I'm quite proud of my daughter. She's 15 years old and she likes, she's kind of likes hardcore and some punk bands um, and sort of new metal sort of bands. Yeah. And what I kind of respect about her taste is, because she, she's learning how to play the guitar, she recognises that the people that she's following actually write the music because she goes to see them play and they're all live bands yep. and that's a far cry from a lot of edm artists mm -hmm. i would be more upset if she was um, you know I, I i'd be more upset if she was into david guetta or Vici yep. or, or i use them as examples you know may, the, maybe the more obvious sort of go-to names yeah, the, yeah the you know the big names within the genre um bob sinclair or mm -hmm. you know whatever you know, but I would be like, well, you know, do you know much about the sound? And the, yeah. Whereas with the punk bands that she's into. music. Yeah, and it's she, quite raw. And she shows me like YouTube clips of them re at rehearsals mm -hmm. and learning songs and running through songs. And it's like, it's very real. Yeah. Um, and I think with, with, the with the electronic scene, we don't really know how real it is or how or I think fake, it's because you know. it's become you know obviously it's just gone through phases and it's been big and it's come down again but you know it's, it's in that big capitalist boom again where it's big money for you know big businesses it's controlled by them understandably because that's where their interests lie they want to make as much money out of it as possible so we're ultimately you know in general the end consumer of a factory product <laughs> that's <laughs> and, right and you know and the likes of us are trying to compete with those big brands on the shelves of that EDM supermarket, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, big pull. And what, um, and, what, and, and, what, and what shelves do we go on? You know, yeah. like, again, like we touched on before with genres, you know, what box do you sit in? And are you even going to get seen there? Well, if it, 
Where do you actually see yourself in the marketplace? I, I, I do struggle with it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a house DJ and producer in, you know, in a general way. Right. Be, be, because, because sometimes I'm more techy, sometimes I'm more, I don't know, you know, more accessible maybe. I don't really know. Um, but it's, it's, most of my music is generally 4-4 based, so that's why I, I class it as house. But I couldn't really pigeonhole it because, you know, something I make might be darker or more even borderline, you know, sort of techno or tech house. But the flip side, I might make something a bit more upbeat and feel good. So I, I don't know, that might be my downfall. I sit on the fence somewhere maybe. It's, a, it's uncomfortable that <coughs> the, the way that the genres work now. Well, I don't like... I th- it I th- would be best if it was less, if it was less genres. Yeah, it so, would. So the, the the segregation between deep house, tech house, but techno like, is kind of you know kind of. It, I understand everything needs a place, and it needs you need to be able to package a product to sell it, so people know what they're buying. But I just like good music, whatever I perceive good music to be, and I don't care what label it's got. I just I like a track or I don't like a track, whether that's a breaks track, a drum and bass track some chill out or whatever or a pop record it, I don't I don't think of it like that's a pop record I can't like that because yeah. it's pop or that's you know that's an indie band I can't <laughs> like them because they play guitars and I'm an electronic dance artist if I'm yeah. even that you know I don't know I just like a good track and if and as a DJ or as a producer if I want to make a track and my gut's saying do this with it I'm just following that I'm not thinking what genre am I going to put that on beatport when I sell it? I'm just thinking, oh, piano line might work on that. I'll do that. And well, then it turns into that. Or the snare roll is going to really build that up and take it real dark and, you know, like in the exact opposite direction. I'm just going with what feels right to me. And the same with when I'm DJing. If I like a record and I feel like it's going to work at that moment in time, I want to be able to play it rather than someone say, you dropped a brakes track in a house set. Yeah. And I've seen people get shot down for that. And I'm like... But it was going off. Yeah. Yeah. So there'll always be someone, like you said earlier, there'll always I, be someone in the room I understand, that is yeah. just not feeling. And I understand, you know, there's a right time, right place. You wouldn't do that in a warm up set. We wouldn't, you know, like, there's, you can only do that at certain points, of, you know, certain points in time. But I feel like we're a bit forced into a corner sometimes. And that's not necessarily a good thing for things to evolve because. Back to kind of what you're saying with Sven Vath, you know, if he hadn't dropped that track yeah. in that scenario when you wouldn't expect it, it might not have had the same effect. So it needs more people to be doing that. You need more people to take that chance yeah. or to say, right, well, I shouldn't necessarily be playing this, but it's going to work. Or not be scared. You know? Yeah, not yeah, be scared, yeah, not be scared. So. Do you reckon Sven Vath sits there and just thinks, I'm fucking Sven Vath, I'm going to play whatever fuck I want. He probably you know, does. I and, hope but, he does. But, but so that would though, be of, Happy, of you know? all the people I think he's earned the right to be able to do that exactly so. and and if he carries on doing stuff like that which I'm sure he will because that's obviously in his DNA yeah. as a DJ I'm not being worried yeah of not being yeah but then you've got the flip side of that you've got Steve Aoki playing fucking Titanic sorry for what swearing <laughs> but that's well, that's what makes you feel like and, and he might I don't know him and you know I'm sure he's the same guy he might be doing that purely for his own amusement but you're in a position where you can really change the game if you want to. You don't have to do that. You could, you could, if you want to be outlandish, drop something 
really classic or something really fucking mind blowing that that's gonna give something to everyone. You know, you got you got a stadium full of kids that only know the Beatport top one hundred or well, probably top ten because everyone's playing the same ten records. But but you you got a chance blow their mind with something that might allow them to explore a whole different genre. Well, yeah. Why the fuck do you drop Celine Dion? Maybe once for a joke, cool, but he's been doing it all summer. <laughs> all summer. Yeah, I don't... I don't anyway, like I said... I, I don't I'm have not, the same I'm kind not, of respect for Steve Aoki as well. No, I've got want, no, 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 that's, I know, no. I know I exactly to give you like said, a polar opposite that example is an of... absolute polar of, opposite. You know, like Sven Vaff is at one complete end of the spectrum to Steve Aoki and, and they're both all, they've got their places and and respect for that but but because they've got those platforms at whatever whatever level of coolness you are on I feel yeah. like they've got a certain responsibility to at least try and push the envelope a bit in a in a, yeah. in a good way who have you can you think of any DJs that you've heard that yeah kind of surprised you with what they draw I, I've got a few like I've I can um, mention, but I, 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 I agree with you. And why not? Well, why not? You've got, you're in a, you're in a position. You can do something. Then why not? I, the only thing is, that I think Steve Oakey's kind of, he is a polar opposite. But then, in the same breath, I think every, everyone would agree that, you know, that. <laughs> I, I don't want to bad mouth the guy, but it's like he's built his career on on stunts and tricks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and show like uh, like um, entertainment opposed to but that's what I'm saying like that you know he's he's got he's got a niche in the market and all respect all due respect for doing that you know he's spotted a gap that works for him in a commercial environment and and he's milking that very well um, but but he's got the potential with a great label and some serious money behind it to really change the game you know if you want to. To really break a record, like a good well, record, yeah. you know. Yeah. Again, it might be so different from a techno record, but <laughs> but you know that that could be something that that takes it to another direction. Um, um, yeah. Do you know? Um, have you heard of a DJ called DJ Food? Yeah. Um, part yeah. of Ninja Tune. Yeah. Runs um, uh, Solid Steel, the, mm-hmm. the show, the radio show. Um, I played with him in Sweden, at, uh, like a real bespoke festival. Yeah. And I watched him play and like smack bang in the middle of his set, he played Jane's Addiction being called Stealing. Wow. Fucking plays went mental. Yeah. His timing was immaculate though. It just went a dun, dun, and yeah. the place just, I mean, I, I was standing on like a balcony watching it fear and I was banging my head thinking, whoa, <laughs> just nailed it. Absolute, pulled it out of the bag yeah. you know and it's like when you see moments of genius like that that's what I'm saying like you've got the ability it's not every set in, you know sometimes some sets so vastly different to the next one yeah. as far as environment but when you've got that opportunity and you've got you've got that crowd properly and you can do that and it it works it's it's, it's memorable you remember yeah. it yeah well I remember that mm. and I, you know we were talking on the, on the flight on the way back and I was like oh, oh. Um, like you know that was fucking awesome and he was like yeah yeah I just I wanted to play it I was just trying to find the right time and it yeah. just and he nailed it he absolutely nailed it um, but you know walking out you know you're putting your DJ bag together whether it's you know whether it's yeah whatever yeah, it is whatever, still, whatever, yeah. Before, you know, and you put a track in like Jane's Addiction being caught stealing, thinking, I'm going to play this tonight. <laughs> Not sure how or when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get this into my... That takes some balls. 
I, I, you've played Wicker Man. Yeah, right? yeah. I, I did. That's where I met you. It was, it was. Yeah. When was it? Three, four years ago, something yeah. like that? Yeah. Um, this year, a friend of mine dared me to see if I could get Proclaimers 500 miles in that set. So I just, I, I, I put together a bit of a sort of mashup. I wasn't meant in any sort of, you know, I didn't want to take the piss at all. I, I wanted it to be credibly done. So I, I put together like a little edit on, in, a, in a track, you know, layered three or four bits in with some extra stuff, just looped sort of, and I would walk and I would walk. And yeah. then the track just sort of breaks at the end of the frame and goes 500 miles and then kicks into this techno track. Mate, the place went bananas. Oh, yeah. And no one would have expected to hear no. the Proclaimers. I, I, I wouldn't have done it in a piss-taking way. I wanted to do it as mad as it sounds when anyone's listening, probably thinking <laughs> that must have sounded awful. For that moment at time, at 2, 3 in the morning, yep. with a tent full of people. Scottish. Scottish people. <laughs> and, and, and it only does it sort of twice in the record. Like, it's not... I haven't rinsed it for a yep. record. It's just teases in almost to the point where you're thinking is this actually really what I think it is and then it just says the word 500 miles and then back into the groove the second time around literally the whole place went bananas because it was like one of those moments where did that just happen no surely not I think you need to um, jump on that so one it actually, it actually does sound so, like a good so, one They're I'll, the I'll send it yeah, yeah I mean, it might be something to I give away at some point but so anyone listening it's not quite as random as it sounds it just it worked at that moment in time fantastic um, so if anyone does want to pick up some music from you, where's the best place to? Um, everything's at sonnywharton.com. Um, you know, the usual sort of links through to your Facebook, SoundCloud, right. YouTube, but but it's actually works as a standalone site. You know, the news is on there, gigs are on you there. Link to everything's kind of embedded within it as well. So yeah, sonnywharton.com. Sonnywharton.com. Um, so I know, I know that we had a little chat about this earlier, and mm-hmm. I, you know I, I hate to say that it's just it's, it's difficult because we had a chance to chat before yeah. we went on air. So, um, who, what have you seen lately, or um, what what you dig in music wise? And I don't mean I don't mean DJs or well or, or DJs or, or in a, whatever it may be. You know what's been floating your boat. Um. Yeah, I still haven't thought of a good answer for it. <laughs> yeah, I have to come back. To, I can't. I can't think of it. So you might have to edit back on that. Um, well, like I mean, if if you've been at any festivals and you stumbled across anyone, you went, "Ah, oh, that's all right." Yeah, but I just that's what I mean. I literally, <laughs> you can use this anyway if you want. I, I literally, I just can't think because this summer's been just really hectic to the point that I've had like a good sort of maybe eight or ten of those sort of moments. That, really, that right now on the spot is just. Blurred. Where have you been playing lately? The Glastonbury first time this year. Oh, wicked! Did um, you play the Dance Village, or no? It was it was near the Beat Hotel actually, so it was kind of oh, on okay. the other the other side. But I'd I'd never been to Glastonbury other than when I was six months old, and obviously I don't remember that. So it's somewhere I always wanted to go. So it like it, it did live up to it's what massive, I thought. Isn't it? it is massive, and it did blow my mind. Just some of the stuff you see. It was, yeah, it's great. It is. It's an, uh, it's a that's off to them. So expensive though. Yeah, I could. I couldn't imagine having yeah. to sort of it's do it on lot, that end. A lot of money, um, but then they do put a lot on for that money. But, so yeah, yeah. You, you know, I mean, you could spend three weeks and still not see it. And yeah, see yeah, everything yeah. at Glastonbury yeah. is is immense. Yeah. You played any other festivals? I know you played. Um, yeah, I've done a few. I obviously mentioned the Shanghai one before and Wicker Man. Um, I did. Mate, it was awesome. Actually, it was the first time out there. It was a city called Ostrava in Czech Republic. I don't know if you've ever been. It's a festival called Beats for Love. Right. And I think it's only maybe their fourth or 
fifth year, something like that. But it's set in like this old industrial Eastern Bloc sort of disused factory. And it's and the whole festival, there's like 10 or 11 stages set within that. It's kind of like Mad Max sort of Thunderdome oh, in an Eastern Bloc sort of way. Um, it's amazing. And what's the name of the festival? Beats for Love. Beats for yeah, Love. They have, they, they, I think it's predominantly, you know, like the main stage is like drum and bass and then they've got a house stage, a techno stage. Right. Um, mate, it was awesome. Um, absolutely blew my mind. So, yeah. Oh, I really it. enjoyed I'll that. Look out for that. Um, have you ever been to a fusion festival in Germany? No. No, where's that? Um, it's out in the countryside. It's fucking huge. like 50,000 people. Yeah. Um, and the, the same, it's... Um, about, I don't know, how many stages. It's um, it's an old disused, I think it's a Russian airfield. Yeah. Or, so it's got all these bunkers. Right. But the bunkers, are like, they cut sort of, they're like a garage for um, airplanes. Yeah. So they're fucking huge. Yeah. Um, and each of those, it must be... So like underground hangars. Yeah, like yeah. underground hangars. But so it starts on, like... Um, like sort of normal kind of walking around level, and then it goes underground to the to the point where you can park an aeroplane underground and it can't be seen. What? Huge. And there's about, I think there's 11 or 12 of those hangars. Mate, that sounds amazing. It's a really good festival. For some reason, I don't know why I would have thought, I would have thought this would have been the kind of festival you would have been I'd playing at. I'd like to, by the sound of that. Yeah, yeah check it out. It's called the Fusion Festival. Cool. Um, I played um, had a few years back at a, on the Tracer stage. Yeah. And um, it was immense, yeah, immense. I, yeah, highly recommended. I'm sure anyone from Germany who's listening thinking, oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> but um, yeah, a lot of art and stuff there. It was quite Brilliant. interesting. The um, venue sounds amazing. It just oh, sounds it really unique. It's very unique. I think it's been going for a while now. I think it's a, I think it's a bit of an institution out yeah. there. You know, sort of like... Understandably, though, by the sound of it. Yeah, like Boomtown is yeah. here, you know, they, they, yeah. it's a big-ass festival, you know, that's quite established now. Yeah. Um, anywhere else? In, uh, the European festivals, they're interesting places to go. Yeah. I know that, I know that. like, if you're American, you're listening, and we're both English thinking, well, you're European. But, <laughs> you know, we're, we're kind of on an island, so when, we're on an island when you say European... We're on an island, yeah. So our festivals are generally quite muddy and raucous so you know when, when we talk about europe i think we mean mainland europe yeah. you know so you know don't don't think that we're trying to distance ourselves from europe we're just we're just it's just the way that we refer to Getting it into politics <laughs> yeah jesus <laughs> um, but um Step yeah away. <laughs> is there any, anything else in um europe that you've come across that's interesting um <laughs> been a chasm tip no, I've always wanted to go there. Yeah, I always think it's, wanted to go it's there. up in the air at the moment. Oh, is it? Civil bloody war going yeah, on. Well, yeah, quite understandably. <laughs> but it, it just look. I've only ever seen like footage from it, and it just looks. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, amazing. So. It's huge. Like yeah, um, I played about four years ago. Yeah. Um, played the main stage with Stanton's oh, wow. hybrids. Oh, I can't remember who else. Um, but yeah, we played the main That's stage. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. It was huge, massive. Um, and it's right on the beach. Yeah, well, that's that's yeah. a winning formula. It's right on the beach. I mean, like, the beach is like, you can walk off the stage yeah. area right into the sea. Right. It's there. It's right, right there. And they, they have a lot of stages. And I think they, there's one shuts down and other one's allowed to start up. And I think there's this rotation thing going on. So it's yeah. always moving and stuff's moving up, moving down. I filmed Marco Bailey playing there. 
I was and, like, um, yeah, fuck it. smashes sh- it. He kicked the shit out of it. <laughs> yeah, it I was bet, so I good. Bet. I bet. Um, good DJ. Yeah, awesome DJ. He's one of my favourites. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, Kaz and Tip, another one. Good, uh, good. Yeah, um, I mean... I think the most random one I've done was probably Sri Lanka this year. Oh, yeah. And that was on the beach. That was the first time over there. I was at Colombo. Well, yeah, I, so. don't, I don't know any DJ that's played in Sri Lanka. <laughs> it, was, it, it, was, it was really good, but very surreal. I take, in fact, it was that surreal that like after the gig and obviously the hotel, back to the airport, run the next morning. My taxi driver was like, oh, we've got a bit of time. Do you want, there's this, I don't know if he was on the take or whatever, but it was a really sort of dodgy situation, typical, you know, someone you don't know but that's the cab driver um oh do you want to come and see this like diamond mine thing and i'm thinking this is a bit weird I'm like, is it on the way to the airport thinking you, you know it's like an international flight you, you want to play it fairly safe because it's, yeah. it's a long flight to miss um no yeah, yeah yeah it's on the way definitely wasn't on the way <laughs> and he took me into this really awkward sort of two up two down kind of building with in the bottom it shows you, I don't know why I'm going off on this tip, but anyway. <laughs> no, no, I want to hear it. It shows you the sort of random mine of, of how, you know, they mined the rocks and, and sort of examples of the type of tools and stuff. And like, that's what he'd sold it to me on. I'll come and see a bit of history about, you know, where they got all these, um, the, the gemstones and, and stuff from. Okay, yeah, yeah, cool, no worries. But the whole ploy was, he basically literally just walked me through that in about 10 seconds to get me up to the top floor, which was then like a sort of back alley jeweler's full of all these gemstones no but obviously I don't know if they're real or not and then, then they're, they're like we do a good price on this too. I'm thinking well I don't really want to buy it I've just kind of humoured you because you seem quite keen to show me a bit of history on the way to the airport and yeah literally was in there for about 45 minutes and they were not having it that I wasn't buying anything and they were, and they were like no 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 we do a good price I'm like I, I'm not interested okay okay we'll do it for less Managed to get out there alive and to the airport, but yeah, just the bartering just system. really random. Really, really. What was the show so, like? The show was really good. Yeah, um, I was actually on with a lot of EDM artists, right? Who and kind of um, who, Arno Cost. Um, He's big now, though. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, but but very EDM. Um, Tanisha, who's kind of trance, um, and a few other guys as well. But I was kind of sandwiched in the middle, so which I'm finding quite a lot a lot of shows especially in Asia and stuff you know I'm often on the bill with in a quite mixed. main room progressive house sort of EDM sounds you know and they're playing heavy big room tracks and I'll have to follow that <laughs> and and kind of bridge that between someone who's going to be playing the same stuff as the guy on before me again afterwards and it's it's always a strange kind of scenario to play because you you you're spending the whole sort of hour leading up to it going i haven't got anything this heavy or you know like <laughs> i haven't got a kick drum that distorted to yeah. start with you know it, it's it's the same touch word seems to i seem to pull it off each time yeah. but but it always makes it that much harder to kind of follow because you kind of have to go in guns blazing from the off before being able to kind of go where you want to go for a bit and yeah. then build back up to whoever's following you because I've always come kind of from that almost a resident kind of mentality right. of so you're part I of always night. I always think about who's on before and who's on after me and that's really important to me whenever I'm taking a gig or but you're thinking you know. about the audience yeah totally yeah. I, well I'm you know I'm there 
hopefully to make people dance you know and and if you can take them somewhere along that journey brilliant um but ultimately people want to have a party in a good time so i'd never want to lose the vibe in that respect so, you know, yeah i might not have something of exactly the same genre or the same music but i'll always try and keep the same energy going or you know at least take it in that in in, in my own direction but on that kind of level so if someone's playing tearing 128, 129 EDM, you know, I've got to come out of the back of that somehow, but not lose the attention. Yeah. Not, I definitely not drop the energy. Not until I want to drop the energy to then pick it up again, you know, should should that be the right scenario to do. So it's quite a tricky situation to be in sometimes. But anyway, yeah, back to, I go off on tangents, back to what you asked. <laughs> it actually turned out a really good gig and, 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 and I wasn't playing any EDM. Right, okay. I was doing my own thing, but it, Seemed to it really work. Yeah, Sri Lanka, huh? Mate, great scene. Been yeah. to India, I've not been to Sri Lanka. Well, yeah, I've, been, I've not been to India, but I've been to Sri Lanka. That's close, close yeah. I got. So, I played Ministry of Sound in um, New Delhi. What was that like? Uh, it got raided while I was playing. Right, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, and then they decided that they could let everyone stay in the club, but mm-hmm. um, they weren't allowed any music. I bet so, that went down well. Well, just, well, I'd <laughs> flown a long way to play. It was yeah. a bit, so I just sat at a bar with the owner having a fish curry. You got paid, <laughs> then, paid to have, I, have a curry was irrelevant, in New Delhi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and that was just a quite kind of interesting scenario. Yeah. But up to, for the forty minutes, I did play. It was really good. Well, <laughs> ironically, I've played the longest I think I've travelled was twenty seven hours to get to Macau off just off Hong Kong and China. Yeah, no, I know. I played I got booked for oh, yeah, there today. Yeah, <laughs> oh, did you right? Yeah. And um, I played for forty five minutes and then was there for about three or four hours and then flew back again for another twenty seven like, hours. You, you said this earlier, so, you don't like staying too long. Or, or is that yeah, or is that I just, don't mind it. I, I just I don't know if I'm like I don't I'm not very good at sitting still as in, you know, right. like not doing anything. So I'm if, and when you're on your own as a DJ, you'll know, you know, sitting in a hotel room, yeah, you might have amazing pool or gym or, you know, big shopping centres, but they're all very similar from country to country to a degree. And, you know, I don't want to sit and twiddle my thumbs for three days in another country on my own. Especially so, when you can't share that experience yeah, yeah, exactly. with someone. Yeah, exactly. So, so I'd, I'm, I'm off, I'll often fly, fly in and then fly straight out again purely because then I can get a full weekend in the studio or, you know, doing label stuff or whatever in between the next lot of shows rather than twiddling my thumbs for two days, a bit dazed and confused on your own thinking, well, yeah, it's nice and the sun's out, but no one's here to see it. It depends where I'm going. um, It it really depends on Mm -hmm. the country. Uh, Like, I I like uh, America in particular is like, because I've got friends and stuff there, but, it's, I, yeah, it's I, definitely different when you when you've maybe been there a couple of times and you've got yeah. friends and you've got a bit of a network of people there because because then it's great to go and see people catch up. It's a bit easier on westernised countries as well. Um, Asia's a bit of a funny one because it's not like you can just wander down the street, find a cafe, sit down, chill out, and read the paper. Yeah. Whereas in in America, it's irrelevant if you're not with anyone. Mm-hmm. You can just do that or go. You know, I'm going to have a little wander down the beach. Don't, yeah. don't you can do that anywhere. I know, but. In a West, Western, it's not that you're going to get lost. Yeah. It's not that you can't communicate or, you know, it's a little bit easier, I find. Um, like Australia, Australia and, you know, same with America. Yeah. It's, when, even when you're on your own, it's, 
it's just a little bit easier. Maybe not as intimidating. Cause yeah, it's more it is intimidating. Familiar. Sorry. Rush is a rush is one where you kind of go, you know, it's easy to get, just feel yeah. that you're out your depth a little bit with the language yeah. barrier. Yeah. Um, well, that's how I feel. You know. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I've been on random little wanders down streets in all of these countries just because you know you feel like you should have a little look around but i've, I've played in um a few years back now but it was in sao paulo in in brazil and the hotel i was staying in was in a brand new complex but it was in a really dodgy end of town and i got picked up by the driver and then put in this hotel and because of the flights and it was a landed deal i was there for three days I didn't see or speak to anyone for the entire time i was told not to leave the complex it wasn't safe i literally just had to sit in a hotel room on my own uh, until I got picked up the night of the gig, then did the gig, which was great, and then was flying home the next day. Promoters, they're not looking after you. Probably out having fun. <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't invited. So, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time in hotel rooms. Mm. So, um, yeah. Do you find yourself getting picky in hotel rooms? Because you get used to certain things being certain ways, and like if something doesn't quite... This sounds real... No, no, it's right. You say it. But you know, like... you. You know, you, sometimes you've got like a tight window. You've just arrived. You've got time for a shower and to grab room service or something. That's your only meal for fucking 24 hours or something. Yeah. And you order it and it doesn't come or it does come and it's rubbish. <laughs> and, and that's your only meal for the entire time until you've done the gig and then you can maybe relax before you catch a flight back. And that, I, I start finding that I get really frustrated. Yeah, I, I, I think certain countries do hotels better than others. There's definitely a difference. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I, I stayed in a... It sounds real snobby, I don't no, mean it sounds like that. Do you, just, you, you know yeah. what? It's, it's not snobby. And if, yeah. It's not snobby when you're there yeah. and you're sitting there going, why doesn't this window open? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Or can they turn the heating off because it's too hot? Or, yeah. or, I, I probably sound really stupid. My The biggest fail I always have in a hotel room is working out where the bloody light switches are <laughs> like most times it's fairly obvious but occasionally you'll get like a real arty hotel and genuinely you just like i just need to turn the lights off so i can go to sleep but i cannot find the light switch for this light and that's yeah i'm clearly quite blonde i always find so. australia is as a high standard of hotels yeah. i've always felt that um and that's lovely you know so you know when you as soon as i'm booked i go oh it's gonna be good you your expectation even of the, maybe everything. once you've been spoiled a couple of times it makes the other ones seem a bit worse. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I have dealt with flights. Yeah, it's, it's like it's, you, <laughs> it's kind of you walk you walk in through business class, mm-hmm. and you kind of as you walk down the plane into a car, the seats get smaller and smaller. I see until they reach like I'm, children's baby seats at the end. Ninety nine percent of the time in economy. Yeah, me too. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what yeah, I mean. Is yeah. that as you walk through, your heart sort of just sinks. Yeah, it's so <laughs> It just gets smaller and, you sit and smaller down and, and smaller. Then the seat in front of you is directly in front of your nose. You can't even open your laptop. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. I'm, it's, it's ironic that we're we're we're, we're nitpicking about yeah about something sounds, that, that yeah. like you know was once my dream. That's a, well, that's the thing. Like that's the reality check, though. And I, I, I like. For every little moan I have about it, say right now, or you know, when you when you haven't slept for two days and you're in an hour long taxi ride back to the airport and you're thinking I've got a twelve hour flight, what am I even doing with my life? You then have that little pinch moment where you're like, I feel so lucky to even be able to sit here and have a moan about it. I've got, you know, I shouldn't be moaning about it. This is a unique, amazing situation, and and 
if if I never got to do this, I'd be really unhappy. So yeah. so yeah, it hurts. And yeah, I'm really tired. Or yeah, I haven't got any food or I've not had any sleep. But we're lucky enough to be sat in the cab, tired, having not eaten, having just played at some random country across the other side of the world to a load of people that come to see us. So yeah. that more than makes up for for it. So, for all the moans yeah. and groans. Yeah. And mum, I, think, I think we just happen this standard with uh, men as we get older we just start moaning more so. oh yeah absolutely <laughs> but do you know what I think um, I think we're going to end on that high note because high note. <laughs> well because it is you know you're absolutely right it's like for everything that we've sort of said throughout this podcast yeah. about about the, the shitty things and I hope we've touched on some some nicer things, but you're right. We, you know, we should feel lucky that I do. we should feel lucky yeah. right now that people are actually listening to us moan. Exactly. Yeah. That's well, that's that's the funny thing. You know, like how amazing is it to be in a situation where we get to just have a chat over a table, and then that goes out online and someone even presses play. So yeah. So. Um thank you very much for yeah, listening thank you and um, Sonny it's been an absolute pleasure I really appreciate you coming down it's been um, it's been good it's been nice to spend the day with you as well it's been wicked yeah, thank you mate thanks for the Kit Kat alright uh, yeah you can fake Nadia so, uh, I just have to bring this up is that when she cooked for Ben Coda she gave him um, food poisoning <laughs> yeah well, I, I, and then he, he was so polite he goes no I think I just drank too much <laughs> like, well I was sick as well <laughs> you're gonna anyway. get in trouble for that um thanks a lot mate thank you cheers Ed. before we finish mm-hmm. it's kind of customary to get some shouts this is sunny wharton you're yep. listening to me katie on bloody bloody blah lowering the tone and you know look spin it however you want no worries hey this is sunny wharton and you're listening to lowering the tone with me katie try another so that's smashy and nicey enough yeah. for you yeah, Good. go on. What's your best radio voice? <laughs> no, I think that's your one, because I know you'll use the radio one. You'll use the worst one. Is there anything else you want to say? No, just going to get one more, just yeah. just in case there's any. Yeah, cool. Hey, this is Sonny Wharton, and you're listening to Lowering the Tone with me, Katie. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Right, there you have it. Episode 10, done. I know I've said this before, but doing these podcasts is a real pleasure. So thank you for your support, your kind words. I know I sound like a broken record when I say this, but if you do want to help, you do want to get involved, please just spread the word. Share the links, retweet, make a comment, do anything you can just to make people aware about it. It's really difficult out there. So I notice it when you help. You can make a massive difference by just hitting a button. Until next time. Take care.
it at Mike's level. Hello. What's that? What's that? What's that? Ben. Ben? Who's Ben? 